0: One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time screen my screen, time, screen time, time, too! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen Hello, and welcome to, to It's My Screen, my screen Time, screen time two, two, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 11, and Libby and Nate are 8. And
1: I have two kids. Jay is 5, and Kenny is 2. And they are adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, They are a. Adorable. I like that hesitation because I feel like it pretty much sums it up. <laughs> They're adorable, but sometimes they make us crazy, like all kids.
0: So do yes. you have,
1: have your kids been up to anything particularly adorable or crazy making this week?
0: Well, I kept them home from school this week because I'm concerned with how many classrooms are quarantined at their school. They are not quarantined, but we are staying home and I had some window washers in and out so I made the kids stay in the playroom and I made them wear masks when they went to the upstairs to get anything from like a snack from the kitchen and so they started calling our playroom the COVID bunker and they would like run up with a mask on even after the workers were long gone with like (laughs) a face covering and grab like a granola bar and then yell like back to the bunker (laughs) So they might never leave.
1: Yeah, I really think it's good that you're acclimating them to apocalypse living. Live, mm, to apocalypse living this early, they'll be used to it. Yeah, <laughs> poor kids. How about Jay and Kenny? So it has become clear to me that a lot of our games in the house recently involve throwing things at one another. I will say, like soft things, not harmful things. So Jay brought home a paper airplane yesterday from school and he was playing a game with me and the babysitter where he would throw the paper airplane up and one of us would have to try and catch it and whoever got like five catches would get the prize and the prize was always him telling us a secret. So we were playing this game and it became very clear that Jay wanted me to win because he would pretty much just throw the paper airplane at me every time. I still caught it a surprisingly small number of times, but that has more to do with my coordination than anything else. (laughs) So I was being given the advantage by far in this paper airplane catching game so I could win. And I won. We played like three rounds of it or something. And every single time I got the coveted secret prize, it was always a fact about Minecraft.
0: Oh, God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was like, Yay, I won. And then he would come up and be like, "Pum, in Minecraft, something, something, something. And I'd. Another? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Gollum, something, something, something. <laughs> So it was still fun, even though the secrets were disappointing.
0: Oh, that's funny. Lucky you.
1: (laughs) In today's Screen Time in the News segment, we wanted to talk more about a possible counter narrative to the latest headlines meant to terrify parents about screen time during the pandemic. In addition to melting our children's brains, the increased screen time they've been getting is also going to make them obese. Listeners, society is never going to stop feeding you reasons to think you're doing a terrible job as a parent and ruining your children, but we here at It's My Screen Time 2 would rather give you some hope and tell you it's all going to be okay. So with that in mind, we have invited Amanda from the Pod Appetite podcast to talk with us today about how food-related screen time doesn't have to be all bad. On Pod Appetit, Amanda and her co-hosts recap food shows, most recently The Great British Bake Off and Netflix's Salt Fat Acid Heat. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. To start us off, do you want to tell us a little bit about Pod Appetit and where our listeners can find it?
2: Yeah. So as you said, we uh, we cover food media, uh, food shows. We started out as a Bon Appetit fan cast, and then uh, after the reckoning that happened there in the summer of 2020, uh, we kind of rebranded, and we, you know, we all met through Lady Pod Squad and had started kind of like talking to each other more and more about food shows. We started out after the whole Bon Appetit debacle with uh, covering uh, Samin Nosrat's uh Salt, Facts, and Heat. We just wrapped up our season on uh, the most recent season of Great British Bake Off. And then at the beginning of March, we had kind of March Madness and had our listeners vote for what to cover for the next season. And we just uh, actually today, the day we're recording, our first episode of that pop uh, came up and it's uh, the Stump Sola on YouTube as part of the Babish Culinary
0: Universe.
1: I don't know if I know that. I'm so excited.
0: And you have some of the cutest podcast cover art I've ever seen.
2: Thank you. (laughs) I cannot, like, I will make some of it, but I can, it, it was created by LJ, our host who's based in London. She came up with the whole theme of how to do the cover art and everything. So that is all LJ. She is wonderful.
1: Deborah was able to find one study out of the Netherlands that found that kids were more likely to make healthy food choices after seeing those food choices modeled on a show. So on Pot Appetit, you guys watch a lot of food TV and food YouTube. Do you feel like it's influenced your eating
0: habits?
2: Yes. It's well. It definitely makes me feel more guilty when I make bad food choices.
0: Um, <laughs> oh no, that's not good. <laughs> no,
2: it is for me. Well, I, I have a guilt complex, so it's cool. It's just how I live. Um, <laughs> but it no, it definitely has. Like there have been through this because I am considered the quote unquote novice of the group, as far as like cooking and everything. So there have definitely been things throughout the podcast that have like really opened my eyes to the idea of cooking and eating better. I think salt, fat, acid, heat was a really interesting show um, to watch and kind of get different ideas. It's supposed to be kind of like the the basics or not really like the base of cooking. Like these are the four tenants that you need. Uh, But I also feel like it, definitely made me think of some of the foods that I eat or have made or will make and just to think of it in a different way and I honestly have learned so much from the shows that we watch and my co-hosts about food and ways to think about it in a different way it like just think of it differently and then change how I eat things because I think of it in a different way.
1: Do you watch any of those shows or have you watched any of those shows with your nephews you were saying you have some preteen and early teen nephews have you watched any food tv with them and have they shown any interest
2: in the genre I have um the I think the one I more recently watched with them that we were not covering it on Pot appetite, but uh nailed it on Netflix <laughs> my nephews love that and especially I remember like at Christmas We were all sitting together and watching special Nailed It holiday episodes, and they were loving it because they also enjoy comedians, and so it was interesting to see them like get excited about the food and laughing when it wasn't perfect, but then also like, hey, I know that person's on this show, or (laughs) hey, I saw them on this thing, so yeah, yeah. and I've I watched some of the YouTube stuff. Um, they really like binging with Babish, which we haven't covered on Pot Appetit, but it's on our long list. And that's something I know my brother, their father, has watched with them a lot. And back when we were covering Bone Appetit, I would when I was prepping for episodes, I would watch those with them. So I've definitely I watch not just food media, but lots of media with them. Like they've guested with me on some of my other podcasts and they, they love the idea of podcasting and they now say it correctly, but for years they called it broadcasting and it was really cute.
1: (laughs) That is cute. (laughs) So have you cooked anything with them as a result of watching these shows with them?
2: Yeah, I have um, as part of like the podcasting stuff like um we will do potluck episodes where we all make something and then come together and discuss it as like a virtual potluck and we've done episodes where we make things and I always share that with them like uh, I had a couple nephews I guess it would have been right around when I think all of the COVID and everything was starting and they were staying the night over at the house and I was making a dish, and so I was like, "You guys get to check it out," and like had them watch me like do some of the that was like a an Indian chicken dish, and so yeah, they also. My brother is like the family cook; he's amazing, and so he has really instilled in them. I thought it was interesting reading that article that Deborah had shared, where, the the idea of like kids making that healthier food choice, and also needing to have the skills to cook younger because like that kids aren't doing that and that's something my nephews actually like to do like if I go over to their house for dinner my brother has them help the whole way he doesn't just make them dinner he has them help contribute to it and they get excited about it
1: that is so brave on multiple fronts because (laughs) one I'm terrified of my children burning themselves or cutting off various appendages. And two, it's just like exponentially messier to cook with children.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I love my brother and I think he's a fantastic father. And I uh, will be going to him when I have children of my own to ask for <laughs> advice on the cooking because he loves to tease me that I'm the bad cook and I'm going to have to figure it out before I have
0: kids. <laughs>
1: Well, I think of that the rare occasions that I've watched, like a MasterChef Junior or something, you have all these, like, very poised children coming on being like, oh, yeah, I've been cooking since I was three years old, and I'm still terrified to let my five-year-old touch the toaster.
2: Yeah. No, that's it. I'm the same way. Like, the burning of hands, I'm just like, ooh. But my brother did that when we were kids. He just, like, straight up put his hand on the stove all the (laughs) time. I think he made all the mistakes, so he knows what to tell the kids not to do.
1: <laughs> well, I am jealous of his bravery, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think it is that makes food shows so compelling?
2: I think part of it is we all have to eat. I mean, there, it's just one of those uh, life necessities. And so being able to see, I think, people's passion for cooking even if you're not a cook yourself and then also like with salt fat acid heat one of the things that we talked about on pot appetit a lot was how much Samine just like loved food and like that passion and when she would travel to other places and try the dishes there like just kind of the wonder and excitement that she had Like, the acid episode takes place in Mexico, and so it was also a bit of a travelogue show, which Mm -hmm. was interesting, but just to see that excitement, and I think we all get that. Like, everybody has a favorite food, and particularly, I think, with kids, they have, like, favorite foods or things they don't like, and then I think being able to see it in the media of people trying other things helps open up that, idea that okay it's not just chicken nuggets and french fries like there are other (laughs) things in the world that you can try and be adventurous and get out there
1: oh my gosh if only i could convince my children of that
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i get i i was the pickiest of eaters as a kid and i'm the adult picky eater but i i think pot appetit I've been open to trying more things
1: so if you had to loosely group food shows into three different buckets like you have your cooking tutorial bucket right Uh uh-huh you have your travelogue bucket which is kind of where I would put salt fat acid heat right or like an Anthony Bourdain yeah yeah there's lots of those and then you have your competitive show bucket Mm -hmm. Do you think that one of these lends itself better to family viewing than the others?
2: As far, like, I think so much of it has to do with the host. Like, I think salt, fat, acid, heat with Samin is definitely family friendly. But I don't know if I'd want to watch Anthony Bourdain (laughs) with my nephews until they hit their teen years. You know, like, I yeah, Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it has a lot to do with the host. Because I know, like, with Nailed It, with um, Nicole Byer, like, she can be a racy comedian. Like, in mm-hmm. other... Because I listen to several of her podcasts. But she has this whole new fan base that's kids, like my nephew's ages, that love her because they love how silly she is on that show. Uh-huh. And they love the baking side of it. So, I, I also... Oh, man. I mean, with... I feel like the competition side is something that can kind of like grab everybody. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the travel log and the just like the prep preparation, like here's how to cook. I think that's really host specific.
0: That's a good point. That's some has a call in like once a month in the New York times magazine and mm-hmm. she, that, her enthusiasm like jumps off the written page too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Have you have you watched Salt Fat Acid Heat, Deborah?
0: I've watched like the first episode and that's it.
2: I would also recommend. Uh, she did a podcast during the pandemic. With, <gasps> oh, I've listened to that. Yeah, home cooking. I loved that podcast, and when it ended, I truly was like a little sad. Like I was like, oh, oh no, I'm not gonna get to hear my friends. <laughs> And next Aww. week. What am I going to do? <laughs> but I know from listening, because I, I listened to that whole podcast, I know that it was considered family friendly because she had kids who would write in or, and ask questions about food.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Deborah, if you had to enter your kids into a competition cooking
1: show, which one do you think you would have them enter?
0: Which child or which competition?
1: (laughs) Which competition any child?
0: Uh, Probably a baking one Mm -hmm. because I can always get them interested in baking. Cooking not as much. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's a much easier sell to be like here child, try this new baked good versus here (laughs) child try this exotically spiced cooked dish. Right, right, right. That's so funny because
0: that's
2: Like, my brother and I, I feel like we both learned, like, baking and cooking from our grandmother, and I definitely gravitated towards the baking side, and he gravitated towards the cooking side, and then that's where we've both kind of done our excelling in the the cooking world, I guess.
1: (laughs) It's a fascinating way to avoid sibling competition. Just be like, it's fine. We'll specialize. (laughs) You take yours. I'll take mine. It's okay.
2: Yeah. Well, it also, in hindsight, like I have OCD. So the fact that I can be like, okay, it's exact ratios and things like that for baking. And he's always like, oh, just do whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Baking requires precision for sure.
2: Yeah. And he really, like, because he is, like I said, he's an amazing cook and what he does with his kids he's and sometimes if they complain it's so funny he's like do you have any idea what i am making for you compared to the stuff we had in the 90s growing up and they're just like oh these gourmet pork chops i don't know like (laughs) (laughs) but he does he just like he'll be like splashing in different things but whenever i've had to like I don't know, marinate something, or I always call him and ask for advice of like, what would you recommend I do for this meat that I'm attempting to cook?
1: It's so nice that you have a sibling for that. I just use Google. Well,
2: I have my sibling or my co-host. I also go to them a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have any other words of wisdom for us about food media and how to consume it with our
2: families? just being open to watching it with the kids. I mean, I've listened to your guys podcast and I, first of all, I just want to fangirl a little bit that I love your theme song and it's been stuck in my head for weeks. (laughs) 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 I like wake up in the morning, like screen time. time." (laughs) (laughs) But I think just like being open to watching the media with kids and then discussing it. I think the discussion is so important. Whether it's food media or another kind, but like talking about what you watched and how to process it and what questions that they have that come up from that. Those
0: are all good points. Those are great points.
1: It's definitely one of those things that I think my kids can sense me wanting them to watch, and that just puts their defenses up immediately. Like, I've tried to Ah. get them to watch Great British Bake Off with me. Or, like I said, like the Master Chef Junior. I'm trying to use that competition angle, but they can sense that I want it too much.
2: <laughs> Maybe the travel log is the way to get them in or something. Since nobody's traveling right now, like that's how we can visit other cities. I don't know. It's a good idea. Maybe I have to
1: ease them in with like some diners, drive ins, and dives or something. <laughs> Or
0: the weird food guy Andrew Zimmern. Oh yeah, good idea.
2: Yes,
1: Andrew Zimmern is a much better choice.
2: Well, that I don't. I know you said you're not um, as familiar with Babish, but binging with Babish, his original show before he started the Culinary Universe, is him making food from pop culture, which is I think part of why my nephews really gravitate towards that. Is they can watch like Adventure Time, and then they can go watch a Babish episode where he's making something. That the characters ate in an episode or something like that.
1: That is awesome. I'm totally gonna check this out.
2: Yeah, because they're the ones that actually before I was even doing Pot Appetit, they're the first ones that introduced me to Babish, and now, and now we talk about them on the podcast, so it's kind (laughs) of cool.
1: (laughs) Do you guys remember way back in like our childhood pre-DVR? Okay, so there used to be this thing on TBS that they would do. They would play a movie on Friday nights and they would like interrupt the movies yes, to like yes. make thematically appropriate foods. I
2: loved that. Oh my God. I feel like that's how I first watched Fried Green Tomatoes. <laughs> So many, like, 80s and 90s rom-coms. I watched The Dinner in a Movie on TBS. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Better Off Dead, still one of my favorite John Cusack movies. (laughs) That was so wonderful. So I feel like maybe Binging with Babish would give me a little bit of that. I could do my own dinner in a movie. Yeah, definitely. That's a good idea. And, you know, force my kids to do it with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Amanda. We really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Tell us where we can find Pod Appetit.
2: Yeah, so uh, you can find us. We have uh, Pod Appetit pretty much on every social media. We're at Pod underscore Appetit on Instagram and Twitter, and we're on Facebook. Sometimes I'm back. I'm in charge of the Facebook, and Facebook's difficult right now, guys. <laughs> it's, we've done to Facebook, but I try to hop in there. Um, and yeah, you can always listen. We're on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and all the different places you can find podcasts.
1: Awesome, and we're so excited for your new season.
2: Thanks, and thank you again for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for joining
0: us.
1: That was so great to talk to Amanda.
0: Yes. Thank you, Amanda. Bringing us to today's topic, waffles and mochi. The first 10 episodes dropped on Netflix on March 16th, 2021. That's this year. We're very current. Mm -hmm. The Obamas, as in Michelle and Barack, are credited as executive producers And the main characters are classic Muppet-esque puppets. Drew Massey, as a puppet design consultant, he has done a lot of Muppet stuff, and he was also the voice of our boy Sid, the science kid.
1: Wow, that's a throwback. Haven't revisited that one in a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Waffles and Mochi was created by Jeremy Connor, co-creator of Drunk History, It's always interesting to see how people who don't come from a children's media background do with content for kids. And Erica Thormalin, actress and writer I don't know much about. She's written personal essays and directed short films. She has an MA in education. So maybe that's where the desire to work in kids TV comes from. And I wanted to watch this because I saw that Michelle Obama was attached, but it turns out there are tons of famous delightful celebrities who make appearances on this show tan france from queer eye for that netflix cross-promotion common zach galifianakis rashida jones jack black lionel richie to name just a few deborah
1: you shouldn't have been surprised because hasn't right-wing media been telling us for years that the obamas have lots of celebrity
0: friends that's true (laughs) (laughs) It does beg the question, are these guest stars that kids will know? Yeah, that is a
1: question I had, and it's something I think we'll probably get into further. But, I mean, my just gut answer is no.
0: Mm-hmm. So the premise of the show is Waffles and Mochi, they live in a freezer. <laughs> and they only eat ice. But they break out of the freezer, and they make friends, and they want to work for Michelle Obama. And so she gives them some tasks, and then they use a magic shopping cart to travel around the world, learning about different food types, ingredients, and how they're used. They interact with all these celebrity friends who are really helpful in helping them learn about the different food groups, and they're really expanding their palettes <laughs> beyond ice cubes.
1: I love that in this world, Michelle Obama follows up her successful run as first lady by opening a bougie supermarket with a rooftop garden.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's really into veg She's a- really into
1: healthy living. Right. Healthy living. Right. Of course, that was part of her whole platform as first lady. I'm, I'm just making fun of it because it seems like kind of a step down. Right. Right.
0: Right. So we picked it because. Katie, you saw the trailer a while back. I saw a blurb in the newspaper about it. We love the Obamas. We love food shows. So we were intrigued. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kids and food is always a hot topic. It's a sore topic at my house. What I think they should be eating versus what they're willing to eat. How can we get them to eat better? Whenever TV tries to tackle that, I'm on board.
1: Yeah, and this segues nicely from our screen time in the news conversation because, again, the concerns about increased obesity coming along with increased screen time, the show is obviously an effort to counteract that.
0: Mm -hmm. So we watched episode one, tomato. Episode five, rice. Episode 10, water. So we'll go through the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Katie, can you sum up tomato?
1: I'm going to try. There's a lot going on in this first episode because they have to set up the whole premise. All right. So Waffles and Mochi live in the land of frozen food and they hop on a delivery truck and are then taken to Michelle Obama's supermarket where they're immediately hired and tasked with figuring out where tomatoes belong. So they hop in a magic shopping cart, travel around the U.S., discover tomatoes belong everywhere. And can I make this a run on sentence? (laughs) Sure. <laughs> and along the way, they meet such celebrity guests as Samin Nosrat, who we talked about earlier in the episode, Chef Jose Andres, and Andres I don't know, my ruled R's are not great, and the actress who played Daphne and Switched at Birth, and I feel bad I don't, like, have her name right in front of me. They, of course, said it in the episode, but I didn't write it down, and... It's just so symptomatic of like when we're casting things and I have to think about teenage actors and actresses. I never know any of their names. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she was on Switch at birth. That's my point. Very long summary. There you go. What did you think? I can
0: tell from your face that (laughs) this is going to be one of those shows where we have really opposite opinions.
1: No, I think on the whole, I liked it, but it took me a while to warm up to the concept because my grown-up brain from the beginning, because you have these puppets interacting with actual humans and interacting with food. And I just couldn't stop my brain from being like, "Why do they do this with the puppet? The puppet has no like throat, so they keep like pretend giving the puppet food and the puppet is just like, "Ma,, mom, 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 mom,. It just I, I don't know. I couldn't get past that. My knowledge that the puppet wasn't really tasting the amazing tomatoes. So how do you feel
0: about Cookie Monster?
1: Oh, no. I mean, okay. Cookie Monster, I could, like, when he was just eating cookies and he was a disgusting mess and the crumbs would just spray everywhere, it was kind of cute. But now that they make Cookie Monster eat everything because they're trying to rebrand him as a healthy guy who just kind of sort of prefers cookies above all other things, I, I don't buy it. Okay. What did you think of the first episode?
0: I was delighted by Waffles and Mochi, the characters. So we haven't mentioned yet that Waffles is half (laughs) half half Waffle, half Yeti. One of his parents is a Waffle and one of his parents is a Yeti. I don't know why I was
1: more preoccupied with his lack of a throat than I was with the idea that a (laughs) Waffle and a Yeti somehow made a baby. (laughs)
0: um and mochi is a like a little mochi mochi ice cream ball um (laughs) who has like doesn't really talk he just kind of meeps i thought they were so funny and i loved the celebrities and i loved the story about the pizzeria where everybody who works there is deaf
1: i thought it was great the recipes certainly in this tomato episode also seemed super achievable Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. All right. We have more general thoughts, obviously. Do you want to take us through episode
0: five? So in episode five, our protagonists learn about rice as they investigate Mochi's heritage. (laughs) My main reaction from this one is like, it's weird that they're investigating Mochi. And then there's this whole scene where they go to a Japanese market where they're baking mochi balls and then they put mochi in I thought somebody was going to eat them yes my heart was in my throat at that moment yeah but just two really cute young women pick up mochi and then take him around and take a lot of selfies with him <laughs> instead so he didn't get eaten and mochi never eats the rice because Is that, like, cannibalistic if a mochi ball who's made out of rice eats rice?
1: That's a really good point. Yeah, I think that would be cannibalistic. (laughs) But he's fine with, like, going and seeing rice pummeled to be made into mochi. It's really selective.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Did you find it at all weird that they were so focused on the rice side of mochi's family? I know the point of the show is to teach kids about healthy eating, but as any former archivist amateur genealogist knows the other side of the family is just as important give that ice, they cream, side some love. ice
0: cream they <laughs> never talked about ice cream they oh, never talked about ice cream i should also say that in this one they talked to common the rapper they talked to a really cool culinary historian he was one of my favorites from this episode also stupid question Common doesn't actually
1: host one of those Uncovering Your Roots shows, does he? I have no idea. I wasn't sure if that was a parody or if he actually does. I mean, it just goes to show what sorts of weirdo celebrity hosting gigs there are out there these days. (laughs) We'll have to look that up. (laughs) Okay, so the water episode was the final episode of the season. So Waffles and Mochi had been going around episode by episode learning about all these different ingredients. And in the final episode, they're planning to use all this new knowledge to make a special dinner for their friends at the supermarket to say thank you for everything they've done for them. So the ingredient they're focusing on is water. The... What is the name of the little character in the shopping cart, like the computer? I don't know. The AI in the shopping cart that takes them around is telling them that there's no way they can possibly understand everything about water in this little amount of time before they have to make this dinner. But when they realize they can't, they get really upset. They have this crisis of confidence so the shopping cart takes them to visit their old friend Jose Andres Andres from the first episode and he talks to them all about how cooking for people isn't just about knowing everything about the foods. It's about expressing your love for these people and uh, incorporating all your memories of sharing things with other people and being loved into food. So they take that knowledge back with them. They have renewed confidence to make this wonderful dish for all their friends at the supermarket. And at the end, Lionel Richie comes and sings the song.
0: Yeah this one was there was a lot going on this one reminded me more of like Sesame Street that I remember from my youth because there was like a whole sketch is not the right word but um, yeah like a. there was a village in Africa and this young girl was talking about how they have to go get water and everything they use water for and then there was like the dumpling steaming thing so it was like all on a same general theme but really varied and really cool information yeah they were right there was no
1: way we could learn everything about water so they were definitely selective in what they were telling us this was really one where I kind of raised my eyebrows at the guest celebrity because they had Jack Black come in for this waffle or waffle this dumpling steaming segment and I just I couldn't make the connection plus was this film during COVID because his hair was really weird
0: and he tried to eat mochi yeah
1: not cool like a- Jack
0: no and they had Lucas Quan Peterson LA Times food critic and he really elevated the episode and then Jack Black just really yeah Brought it down. Yeah. I was not happy with that one. Yeah, not my favorite.
1: But I didn't watch the end of this episode until this morning. Little peek behind the curtain listeners, we're recording this on a Wednesday morning. So this morning before my kids woke up, I quick watched the last 15 minutes of this episode. Kenny did not sleep well last night. He slept in my bed for a good portion of the night, spent the night kicking me and insisting he didn't want to sleep, and I was very tired. So at the end of this episode where like Julia Child was there talking about how you have to be confident in the kitchen, and then Jose Andres was talking about memory and love, and oh my goodness, I almost started crying.
0: (laughs) The Jose Andres bit... Because they show scenes from Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. when he went there to feed the island, that was emotional. I got teary-eyed during that part too. He
1: also—you want to talk about the opposite of Jack Black? He has such great chemistry with Waffles and Mochi, and I love that he's always dancing with them and saying like, "Cooking makes him
0: feel like a DJ." That was so cute. (laughs) Yeah, he's my favorite of all the celebrities. I think. (laughs) All right, with that in mind, should we go on to our overall thoughts? Sure. So I love. the concept and the plot what did you think it really grew on me it really grew on me
1: um yeah I guess that's all I have to say about it like I didn't think it would work at first and by the end maybe due to lack of sleep but I was definitely invested and
0: into it yeah so are the cute puppets enough to get kids interested
1: I mean it probably depends on the kids right yeah I think that combined with the simplicity of the subject in each episode uh, that they try to really streamline by focusing on one thing, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was enough humor to get kids interested in what could be kind of a dry subject at times. But then the guest stars seem like they're more for grownups. Common Sense Media says the age for the show is four plus. I would say anybody could enjoy this show. Everybody should be watching Waffles and Mochitos.
1: I mean, if you think about it as two separate things, right, you're trying to create a family show. So you have all these elements that will appeal to kids, like the silly jokes, the puppets, the simplistic focus of the storyline. And then you add this other layer on top, which are the guest stars that really have nothing to do with kids. They are just there for the grownups to kind of give us something to look forward to in case we're not as emotionally invested in whatever Jose Andres is doing. We can still think it's fun to see. Oh, Daphne
0: from Swish at Birth. I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. I. <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about our thoughts on the cast and the characters? You wrote, are waffles and mochi cute or annoying? Do you remember when we reviewed Muppets Now? Yes.
1: I realized my adult tolerance for bunsen and beaker is a lot Mm. less than it was as a kid and the whole like silent sidekick that just meeps had me worried i don't think they were annoying but i do think they were problematic because they raised so many questions yeti plus waffle for one lack of throat for another why weren't the people in japan eating mochi i thought they were cute It's hard to do a food show that stars food. Like, how do you get around that essential contradiction? What if you ever want to do an episode about waffles? They'll never do an episode about waffles because they're so focused on healthy foods, but you just ignore the fact that they
0: also are food. What if they do an episode on pancakes? Is that going to be, like, two waffles adjacent?
1: Where is the line? I don't (laughs) know.
0: (laughs) So we've already talked a bit about all the different guest stars. There's one important one we didn't talk about. Which one? And this really
1: overlaps into our music conversation. Oh, but yeah. there was this weird Sia cameo in the first episode. She was a cartoon tomato and she sang a song all about how she was actually a fruit. And that led me to believe that maybe all the other music in the other episodes was also done by famous people. And I just didn't know who they were. But I don't think they were. Were they?
0: Um. So... The sh- did you ever watch the show Garfunkel and Oats? Yes. So, those two, that pair, that duo composed the music.
1: Oh, okay. They just happened to get like one famous person
0: for the first episode. I think so. And the theme, did you catch Maya Rudolph singing the theme song?
1: No. I the love theme that. song is
0: really good and funny. It's like, listen to your vegetables and eat your parents.
1: <laughs> also, did not love that. Eat your parents? What?
0: I liked the musical. A lot. We just touched on Lionel Richie, but before before he comes on, they play all night long while they clean up. And it's kind of like an elevator music foreshadowing Lionel Richie coming onto the scene. And I really loved
1: that. I laughed so hard at the stupid joke when Lionel Richie comes on the roof and Waffle goes, Are you here to bring us some sweet jams? And Lionel Richie (laughs) is like, Here I have some jams. Some strawberry and... <laughs> Ooh, just a little... Another little peek at my mental space.
0: Thoughts <laughs> on the puppetry? You talked about the no-throat.
1: Yeah, I did just want to bring up, and I don't know if this isn't really puppetry specific, but, you know, in addition to waffles and mochi, there are elements at the supermarket that are also puppets. Like, you have the mop, whose name is Steve? yes. Okay. And then you have uh, like a loudspeaker and you have the shelf at the grocery store whose name is Shelfie. And that first sequence in the first episode when they go into the supermarket and they are meeting all the inanimate objects that work there, it gave me serious Pee Wee's Playhouse vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not to give a spoiler for our gritty HBO reboot recasting, but I could totally see Shelfie being played by Cherry. I thought they, they uh, shared a lot of DNA.
0: Yeah, I liked that. I liked the grocery store puppets. Thoughts on the length and structure?
1: If anything, to my grown-up mind, it wasn't in-depth enough. Did you ever watch the food show Good Eats? I don't think so. Okay, so um, I know they maybe rebooted it or did some internet episodes a while back, and I haven't caught up because kids, but um, I watched it a lot in my early mid-twenties, and It was a similar sort of thing where they would focus on a single ingredient or the best way to cook a single thing. And they would do a really deep dive into the science of what made that thing good to eat, what made the particular method they were prescribing the ideal method for cooking that thing. Was
0: this an Alton Brown show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember your love for Alton
1: Brown. (laughs) (laughs) How could you forget? Oh. And I almost wanted that level of granular detail. Again, I know it's a kid's show, but they skated so far on top of some things that I would really like to know more about. Like, I know rice looks different all around the world. Thank you, Waffles and Mochi. But, like, why does it look different all around the world? Have we been cultivating rice in all these different places for the same amount of time? Like, is it just... Uh, means of processing that's made them. I just I wanted to know more.
0: So I think what you're looking for is maybe an annotated bibliography. Yes.
1: <laughs> or like at possi- the end of
0: the episode,
1: or possibly a director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about it? Were you satisfied with the level of detail you got?
0: Yeah, I love that kind of variety show. Let's go to Japan, and then here we are in the south and then we're back in a freezer i (laughs) it's it's good for my attention span which is uh not all that great these days and then have a little music video in between i enjoyed it i guess
1: it reminded me a little bit in that way too of ask the story bots how they had all those little like interstitial segments in there
0: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm but then there's an over like Kind of a loose arc to the episode. So, what movie or show for grown-ups does this compare to?
1: Well, I already talked about Good Eats, which was a show for grown-ups on the Food Network, and also maybe it was the presence of Samin Nosrat from Salt Fat Acid Heat made me think of that show, which we talked about at the top with Amanda. Yeah, those were the two that I
0: immediately reached for. How about you? I thought an obvious comparison was Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, partly because these waffles and mochi have been subsisting on ice. And so everything to them is pretty exotic. <laughs> uh, and they travel all over the world. So that's what I got for that. Anthony Bourdain would have made the... a
1: good guest on the <sighs> show, don't you think? I know.
0: Yeah. Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot?
1: All right, brace yourself because this is a journey. Okay. Are we ready? (laughs) Get get in your magic shopping cart. Get ready (laughs) to go. Okay, so I was thinking it would be fun to have like kind of a comedic voice as Waffles who then had like a kind of a ventriloquist dummy, Mochi, who would be like the foul-mouthed version of them. So you need a comedic voice that can go either way. Mm -hmm. I thought about Sarah Silverman, but I think I'm looking for someone in a little bit younger demo. And then it was our conversation in the screen time in the news segment that made me think it could conceivably be Nicole Byers because she's got this dual fan base because she does nailed it where she has kind of a more family friendly vibe. But you can tell like she's got some darker, (laughs) darker thoughts. Some brandier thoughts. So I think she could be a good, like, she expresses outward naivete when she's speaking as waffles. But then she has, like, mochi on her shoulder who is, like, saying the funny, nasty stuff. I like that. That's a good idea.
0: (laughs) How about you? Have you seen the kids movie The Star? It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, about the donkey that carries Mary. Yeah, and so the camels, two of the camels, one is played by oprah and one is by tracy morgan
2: what yeah
0: I and remember they're this that oh they're the, the best <laughs> and oprah's character's name is deborah oh. i don't know it's so funny but i want a duo like that so i would cast oprah as like the straight serious waffles and then tracy morgan as the uh, bit off the wall mochi okay i like it i like that dynamic <laughs> So would you ever watch The Salon Fair voluntarily? I love food TV,
1: but I think just because of the things that I thought were lacking, I I know I can get those from other sources. So probably not. I would rather watch Good Eats or Salt, Fat, Acid. I'm always saying them in the wrong order. Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. There are other equally good shows made for a grown-up audience that
0: I think I would choose first. How about you? Mm -hmm. I am going to try really hard to get my kids on board with this show because I want to watch it. But I I feel silly watching it alone voluntarily, but I really (laughs) want to watch all the episodes. Argument for watching it
1: alone voluntarily. I did say the recipes seemed really achievable. But then I went online briefly today to see if they had like a recipe section. They don't. So if you want to cook some of these achievable things, you almost have to go back and watch the episode and actually write down how they do it. Yeah, okay. Well, there's my excuse. (laughs) So you didn't watch any of these with your kids? I did not. I was really nervous because my kids had started watching the pilot episode with the babysitter on a date night, and like immediately within 30 seconds were like, we hate this. Turn this off right now. So, (sighs) you know? In the two weeks that we've been prepping this episode, I like to try and watch the show with the kids if possible, just because it makes it easier for me from a time management perspective. So I kept bringing it up saying, you know, mommy needs to watch Waffles and Mochi for the podcast. Let's turn it on. Let's give it another shot. And they just dug in their heels. But I put my foot down this weekend because I really needed to get it done and Jay kind of eventually got into it. And now he's saying that he wants to watch more episodes and he wants to make sure we have the food around that they're talking about so we can try it when they try it on the show. Hey. Yeah, I know. It counts as a total win because I have never been
0: able to get this kid to eat rice.
1: And I'm thinking maybe this might happen. Yeah.
0: I have serious doubts that anything is going to change my kids' eating habits. (laughs) However, in the New York Times for Kids section, on the back of it this past weekend there was like a full page ad for waffles and mochi and then there was also like a sticker sheet of the badges that they're earning nice yes I love it when things can come with badges we
1: forgot to mention that, that it's such awesome incentive for your kids you can be like you tried the tomato here's your tomato badge
0: yeah so i I'm going to give it a try. It's pretty blatant and very expensive marketing for this show, Netflix. But if it can get my kids to eat a vegetable, I'm on board. (laughs) Ratings?
1: I didn't want to like it as much as I ended up loving it. (laughs) I I guess I'll go
0: 4.5. I would give it a 5. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for
1: listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. And thank you again to Amanda from Pod Appetit for coming on to talk food TV and kids with us. Listeners, for more of Amanda's delightful thoughts on food media, please check out the Pot Appetit podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, when you're doing that, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can still check out our website at myscreentime2.com or find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on Gmail at myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children. And our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents.
0: Bye. Bye. Screen time. Screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time.